Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. And for this week's episode, we caught up with author Matt Haig, who's got a new book out called Notes on a Nervous Planet. We met up with him at his publisher's office in Kensington. Yes, uh, Matt talked to us about all, well, a manner of things, really. Um, his anxieties, his parental anxieties, his kids. Um, but to begin with, uh, we asked him to read a passage from his new book, which felt particularly relevant to us and hopefully to you too. A therapy session in the year 2049. Robot therapist. So, what is the problem? My son. Well, I think it goes back to my parents. Robot therapist. Really? My dad, specifically. What was the matter with him? He used to be on his phone all the time. I used to feel like he cared about his phone more than me. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. A lot of people from that generation didn't know all the consequences of their phone use. They didn't know how addictive they were. You have to remember, it was all relatively new back then, and everyone else was doing it too. Well, it gave me issues. I used to think, why aren't I as interesting to him as his Twitter feed? Why wasn't I as good to look at as the screen of his phone? If only I didn't feel I had to distract him to get attention. This was in the days before the 2030 revolution, of course. Hmm, where's your father now? Oh, he died in 2027. He was run over by a driverless car while trying to find a funny gif. How sad. And what have you been doing since then? Oh, I invested in a robot, Dad. I looked into all the hologram options, but I wanted a dad I could actually hug. And I have programmed him never to check his notifications. He's there when I want him. Hmm, that is so wonderful to hear. <laughs> there you uh, go. An extract there from Notes on a Nervous Planet, read, uh, read by the author. Uh, hey, thank you, Matt, for um, for reading that and for agreeing to come on the podcast. It's very nice of you to have me here. Thank Dad of two, Matt. Hey. Dad of two. Yes. How'd you get on with the phones? And oh, it's my guilty thing because I, I, yeah, I have the sort of job where I'm at home all the time, so the kids see me a lot on technology I, I, I'm forever it's not so much the phone it's the laptop it's just there on my knee as this sort of wall you know mm. like you mm. lift up the laptop and you sort of go and it's like they're asking you something and you don't even know they're asking you something <laughs> and you're just thinking is this giving me a mission you know so it's not like being the absent dad you're physically there yeah. but you're sort of mentally in cyber world and yeah, I have, worry about have you have you set some rules for yourself? Because I I have done that quite recently. My my boy's only fifteen months, but I've already noticed he he knows the phone. He knows how it works. He knows that he mm. needs to swipe. He knows to say hello into it, which is terrifying at such yes. a young age. So I, I've now said to myself, right, when I come in from work, it goes on the shelf, and until he's in bed, yeah, then I can pick it up again. Oh no, I, I used to. Um, 
as things have gone on, it's just become so impractical um, because, well, A, they go to bed a bit later now. Yeah. So we don't really get an evening. You know, like uh, some, some evenings, because my daughter still likes us in the room or you know it's sometimes easier to just be in the room with her mm. because she's sort of like scared of the dark and various things so well, so I'll sometimes take the computer into their room where they're sleeping she likes to sort of glow with the computer while she sort of gets to sleep so they do yeah I'm, I, no I'm bad I'm bad with setting rules because I'm literally writing on the computer I mean my son is really into tech himself now and we, we have to sort of give him a little diet of tech you know we have to take things mm. off him and be strict with him like that but it's very hard because you feel hypocritical because you're, yeah. you're on it yeah, yeah. my daughter's not bothered though at all she's not bothered about she's just not into it she gets bored by it so that's alright she's not into having a phone or anything. I mean she's only well she's just turned nine so you know a lot of her peer group are quite into it but she's not showing any interest yet i think we um we we've touched on the idea that hypocrisy i'm starting to notice it's a it's a big part of parenting yeah. <laughs> that you can't get away from it can well, you totally i mean it used to be like it with food like we yeah. before we were parents when we were planning to be parents we were just going to be so the parents who weren't going to you know chocolate e-numbers yeah, sweets yeah. haribos whatever it was yeah. we were going oh, that's not why can't they just not go? And it's like, it all starts to go out the window. Yeah, it was different stages. As they get older, every six months there's another thing that you've surprised yourself by allowing. Yeah, someone said to me before I became a dad, don't make yourself too many promises before you yeah. become a parent because you'll find yourself breaking them. You'll be disappointed with yourself. Yes, exactly. exactly. So you're constantly, and you're constantly measuring yourself against other parents, your own parents, mm. your ideal, what you feel like you should be. But, you, you have to just live day by what day. What kind of dad did you think you might be before you became, and how does that match up with what you think the I don't know. Is? I mean, I, the thing I was scared about with parenting was responsibility, because, you know, I'd all, I've always been told, like, when I was at school and stuff, that I was bad with responsibility. So the idea that I had to somehow be someone's role model scared me, not for any particular reason of me doing terrible things. It's just I've, I've always had an issue... You know, I find it hard enough sometimes because I've had mental health issues looking after myself mm. that before I had kids, like most of my anxiety around parenting, a lot of it happened before, you know, I was just like thinking I wouldn't be the sort of person. So actually, when I became a father, I actually surprised myself that I was more okay at it, at least initially, than I, I thought I would be. And I was sort of like it actually calmed me down in some ways, you know, that mm. having, you know, because famously mm. often people say it makes them a bit less selfless because they've actually literally got another self to look after. Yeah, that, yeah. Is that, you know, there. So it sort of calmed me down in a weird way. Obviously, was you know, I'm someone who really needs sleep and those things which certainly in the early years aren't guaranteed. So I had all sorts of issues surrounding that, the practicalities of it. But um, no, I've you know, I've loved it, and I love it now that they're becoming their own people, and they've got some, um, you know, we we can have conversations mm. and stuff. My only issue is sometimes I worry I'm too much. Well, when I, when I'm fully engaged in the sort of parenting, and I'm I'm, the, I'm too much like fun crazy dad, yeah, like yeah. older sibling dad, you know, like. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? So like, does her mum have to do a lot of the, the well, boring? Yeah, well, she's just that sort Stop of doing person. that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And that, and she, I hate that she has to be in that role as well. And, you know, I was classically a bit rubbish at, you know, winding them up before bed. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a dad's role. We had this very conversation with Anno on the podcast Animation, who said it is the role of a dad to do the fun stuff. Yeah. That's what dads do in yeah. anywhere else in like that. Yeah. Being a society. Yeah, basically, yeah. she made us feel better. She explained how scientifically, you know, on an evolutionary basis, actually chucking your kid around before bed and doing all the stuff in the aeroplane games and all the rest of it is actually fundamental to a child's development. Mm. That actually, you are physically helping. It's teaching not you them about being, risk. It's not you just acting like a prat because you can. It's, it's actually helping the child come to terms with the world. If, if they think the world is quiet and tranquil and peaceful yeah. with no risk in it and no rough and tumble then when they leave yeah. the home they suddenly discover that in fact mm. it is full of yes. things that there's some jeopardy involved then it can be really bad for them and, and for their mental it's health a, it's a proper you know it's probably all about that balance isn't it that role of sort of push and pull you know in yeah. terms of between parents but you know sometimes when you're having a really good day and you're really in that fun mode your kids love it, but then they expect you to be like that every day. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you get into that, like... I, Sitting in the landmarks, yes. Like, at, at my best, I was sort of, like, um, making up... Because I make up stories for a job, I, I felt like I should occasionally make up stories for them. So I, I, they'd be, like, having a bath, and I'd just make up sort of silly Star Wars stories about, like, Han Solo at kindergarten, you know, <laughs> and Luke and Leia and stuff, and just have craziness, like, you know, Han and his pet Wookiee and just being silly and then they'd want it every single night and they'd really insist on it and then they'd be like and then and um, you know stuff like that so it's because they're they're always they've just got that infinite supply of energy Mm. haven't they and Mm. where some days you can feel like that as an adult person but not it's not guaranteed and I don't don't know about you but I can sometimes end up feeling guilty if I don't live up to that yeah you get and I, I find that guilt is a is an unexpectedly massive part of parenting because, as I say, I'm, I'm, I mean, you're, you're an old hand at this now. <laughs> we did mm. kids being the age they are. I, I'm still relatively new to it, and I didn't expect guilt to play such a big part in it. That guilt of say, thinking, "Oh God, I'm not being fun enough," or "Oh God, I've, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have told him off there," or "I shouldn't have done this." Yeah. There's, there's always these. There seems to be some such a long list of things that I shouldn't be doing. I shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I, I think so, and also co- combines with that is that idea of time like you you're so conscious of time as soon as you have kids because you can literally mm. see them aging in front of you and you think oh what, what? you've got to have a checklist of things that you've done with them mm. by you know you've got to have gone to Alton Towers you've done this <laughs> and every, everything you've got to get, have given them as enough memories especially now we're in this sort of social media age of always creating the most spectacular memories and having the happiest time and yeah it can you can beat yourself up so much especially yeah. when you see because you literally see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever other people having their best moments so yeah. you're inevitably well you talk about this in, in the new book don't you that you can't you, you need to people need to realise that you can't do everything yeah you can't you can't do there's just not enough it's like the books you talk about the number of books there are in the world that people <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't read them all you can't watch all <laughs> it's the impossible shows. you can't yeah you, you can't keep up with everything but you can't be every parent can no. you you can't mm. be every ideal version of yourself that's doing everything with them but as we we've it's said this before to come to terms with them, but we've it? said this before haven't we about that no one's going to look back and go oh, I, I wish I hadn't spent as much time with my kids no yeah. 
Oh, no, I, I, get, I, get I wish it. I'd have answered more emails. We'll not be there. We made deathbed confessionals about that. If I had done that email, damn it. <laughs> Do you know the thing that I find interesting is because I know Matt, you've spoken very open, written very openly in several of your books about the issues you've had with anxiety and depression, and you know, quite and quite severe issues at that as well. And then you mentioned there that parenting has almost made you calm. But then I immediately thought of another cha- another passage in the new book where you were talking about how you have this capacity to just think catastrophically at all times. Mm. And I, I can relate to that a little bit because I've had some issues with anxiety myself. And I, and I can relate to that idea that constantly thinking the worst is happening. But that, when you've got little kids to look after, surely yeah. that doesn't help in terms of... No, like when I have an anxiety patch now, you know, you... you, you I often mine comes out in hypochondria, but now I've got two other people to be a hypochondriac yeah, on their yeah, behalf, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you have to sort of keep it, keep it in check. I mean, I wouldn't say I was totally on top of my mental health issues because oh, when the kids arrived, but I was in a much better place than I've been a few years before. Uh, I'm, I'm now at a place where I'll always have the odd anxiety spell maybe even dips into depression but I, I think I've cultivated enough of an inner therapist to sort of always rationalize myself mm-hmm. through it mm. and uh, you know but but you yeah it's totally that situation of um, well recently like we uh, I took the kids away with me on a work trip um, which I thought would be great because I'd had nine days away from them last year um, all in, in one chunk, which was the longest I'd been in one chunk away from them. And I'd hated it and I, I felt anxious and stuff. And I just thought, you know, quite selfishly, it'd be nicer just to take everyone with us. So we did that this year. We went abroad and um, Lucas, my son, came out in a rash all over his body. And um, it turned out it was just, it was hives. And there was no sort of food reason. It was just from the sheer stress of like getting an aeroplane every two days and everything else. And I was just feeling like such a sod for just having, having to that out. And then I was panicky. Like, oh my God, I've killed my son. For but, you know, it was okay. And, but, and that was my, I suppose, that was my, my biggest worry itself was that I would pass down my yeah. yes. mental health stuff. So are like there certain things that your kids do that you think are sort of red Just flags you, on that yeah. regard? Yeah. And, uh, but what have been, particularly like with my, my son earlier on, he was quite um, anxious and it was one of the reasons we decided we, we ended up homeschooling. We were privileged enough to be in a position where we could homeschool and we took the plunge and, you know, God knows if we've done the right thing, but we're, we're doing it and we're in Brighton, so it's a big support network. It's quite a conventional option in Brighton. Um, but yeah, my, my, with my son, but what I found was making him worse was me getting worried about any signal that he, he might mm. have anxiety if he was doing some sort of like having a little tick or your compulsive behavior or swallowing or doing, then turning it into a thing. Because yeah. kids go through so many little weird phases there's always going to be some unexplained little phase your child will go through and I was quite bad and I've learned to be better at just letting it happen letting the weirdness happen and not not rushing them to the doctor about every single possible do you physically have to restrain yourself a little bit because if if, for someone who who suffers with anxiety I know that's not necessarily a natural process is it 
Yeah, I do, but I, I, I've also got such practice at it, you yeah. know, because I, I've had to yeah. do it almost continually for 20 years, that it, it's just an extension of what I do with myself, but yeah, the voice in my head is always saying, oh no, what if, you know, and, and when you're surrounded by, in my job search, certainly researching notes on a nervous planet, I was researching loads of statistics about, say, teenagers and all that's to come. And how this generation is the most sort of stressed out and all the mm. pressures they're under, social media pressures. And you inevitably think about what's going to happen with your, you know, yeah. your own kids' future. Well, we've just had the <coughs> passage, so sorry. The passage of the, needs. the passage of the robot, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that will be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the kind of where it's going, yeah. yeah. I imagine you wrote that tongue in cheek. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely a hint of realism to it. You can see it coming. Yeah. No, I... So we talked, don't we, about kids might not be so keen in future to learn that their parents have posted their social media on their social oh, media. Yeah. And we think about the podcast. Yeah, and we occasionally throw in, like, Jackson, I love you. Yeah. Ben, <laughs> your dad loves yeah, you, yeah. in case they listen to this in 20 years' time. Yeah, I should going, just say, Lucas and Pearl, I do love you. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about you know, yeah. all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. You, know, you don't just so, make me anxious. Yeah. Like, I've probably given you all kinds of issues. But, <laughs> yeah, but love was there. Sharing team. <laughs> I, I, I think, I, you know, and it's the cheesiest, corniest thing in the world. But I think if your intentions are good, if you if you genuinely love and care for your kids, mm. that's the main thing. You might, mm. you know, you might disagree with your own parents on all kinds of things. You might disagree with, disagree with them politically. You might even disagree with where they sent you to school or whatever it was. But I think you forgive most things, don't you? Yeah. You feel like you were loved. Mm. You know, sort of. You're talking about parents there. I again going back, I suppose, to the, the theme of the book and the modern world and and the stresses it places us on us all. I do some, and, I'm, and maybe this is just me, but I do sometimes feel almost envious of previous generations of parents because I appreciate there's been different sorts of challenges. And again, as you say in the book, you know, there's all sorts of advances which help us mm-hmm. um, as modern day parents. But it does feel to me like there's this extraordinary pressure on us as parents now that we have to think of all these different things, and particularly as fathers. You know, the, the I mean, obviously for mothers as well, there's there's a whole world of pressure there. But for fathers as well, that you know, I think even until the generation, maybe two generations ago, you were the provider and that was it, and that was yeah. all you had to do, and that was acceptable, and that was fine. But now we put all this pressure mm. on ourselves to be well. I have to be the provider, I but I also that, have to be this. I, and I think we're in, like men. men um, I definitely don't want to do the sort of battle of the gender thing. But I think men are in an interesting period, identity-wise, aren't we? We're sort of like between generations. Yes, absolutely. There's a sort of identity with our, where, what masculinity means, yeah. what fatherhood means, what being a dad means. And, you know, we're, we're not mums necessarily, but we're, we're, we're not the old school dads who were sort of like... So where do we fit? Yeah, yeah, where do we fit? We're in this sort of transition. Yeah. Can you... Yeah. Absolutely, I feel that all the time. Yeah. And, and sometimes I feel myself in the space of an evening veering from one extreme to the other yeah. where I'm being you know the sort of really masculine old fashioned dad you know either sort of yeah. setting my son straight or playing some sort of ma- you know really yeah. macho mm-hmm. game with him or showing him how to play football and in the next breath I'm I could almost be his mother and I'm cuddling and consoling yeah, yeah, yeah. him and feeling really tender with him I, yeah I think it probably changes around the world as well doesn't it we're talking yeah. from a western probably a western point of view where we're heading probably towards being parents yes. less mum and dad yes. more parents and more equality mm. of everything, hopefully, yes. uh, and that might change in generations. We had we had a podcast with um, TV presenter Tim Lovejoy. I was talking about his teenage daughters, 
and their expectations of a man will be completely different to the their previous generations that they yeah, won't absolutely. have even this idea which you know of this sharing no. of parenting so well that's that's how it's going to be there's yeah. no like choice to share it will just be that's how yeah. you'll share y- y- your parenting and like yeah. i think scandinavia is sort of ahead of us yeah. you know where they where they have paternal leave yeah. not just mm. maternal maternity mm. leave and paternity leave and all of that and i think yeah i think everything needs to be sort of equal eventually but yeah at the moment there's still you know, and, and, and dad does have a slightly different kind of... Dad's often seen as a bit of a... yeah. It's almost a word that's sometimes used in a belittling way, isn't it? Like dad dancing. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dad jokes. Or, yeah. You know... Yeah, yeah, there's two. If you think how they're represented in popular culture, there's two types of dads, isn't there, really, on, on TV. One is the, the idiot dad who holds the washing powder as it pours out the other side, and he's yes. trying to... Push, and the other one is this um, domestic violence-driven yes. ogre. Yeah, there's not there's really, no uh, you know. We've talked about this before that I don't look at popular culture or whether it be TV, film, whatever it might be, and see an awful lot of fathers or characters who are, you know, sort of first and foremost fathers, and see any that I can really relate to. I don't no. look at that a lot and think that that represents the type of dad I know. Or yeah, the old, yeah. I suppose there's, yeah, there's that sort of action hero type dad yeah. where you almost need your. Definitely not that. Yeah. You know, where your daughter's kidnapped. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it, it, it's interesting, but you, but you, and you sometimes feel like that. Sometimes, oh, I'm a protector, and you, yeah. you've got this evolutionary thing of, oh, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a, you know, I've got to look after them, and you know, if someone came in the house, what would I do? And all of that, but yeah, I think I think I think it's just about giving kids options to be what they want to be. So if mm. you and you know, if dads and mums um, reflect those options, it's a bit. Mm. Not for us, and there's an argument as well, which people have read about that mums and dads don't have an impact anyway. You kind yeah. of like don't worry about it. Yeah, you don't, yeah. You, how your child is going to turn out is providing it's fed and clothed is sort of pre yeah. predetermined. Yeah, and there's but, only but, so much. You yeah, can the, the difference is they happen at the extremes. Yeah, but if if you're somewhere in the middle band, of yeah. Generally looking after them. Yeah, yeah they've got food. They've got food in their stomachs, mm. and they're, they're dry. They're gonna be yes. all right, really. Yeah. And actually, to go back to um, a, a book of yours, Matt, which I have to admit, and I, I admitted this very cringily to, to Matt before that we started recording it, is one of my favourite books ever, uh, The Humans. The whole. The, correct me if I'm wrong, because you wrote, you wrote it, I didn't. But um, the, one of the key messages there is that if if a child is loved, then mm. that's that's half the battle, isn't it? That's yeah. Yeah, totally, and it's making them feel loved and unsecure as well. I mean, like, um, I think I, I think children like the sort of routine and the consistency. And one of our, my guilt issues is we moved around, we physically moved around. We mm. moved from York to Brighton, within Brighton we moved house again, and there's been a lot of change in that kind of thing. But within it all, there's been us as a sort of tribe, and you know now we've got a little Maltese terrier as well, so we're a little <laughs> pack. <laughs> it's funny because I I've always been quite close. It's fun, you saying that just made me think. I've always been quite close with my immediate, well, very close with my immediate family, my brothers, my sisters, my mum and dad. But now that we've all got our own 
we've all got our own little triads, like you said, our own little packs. Yeah. And it's, it's a really interesting way that that shifts. Again, that's something I didn't expect or anticipate. It's one thing being part of a married couple, but you're still part of the wider family. Yes. The moment you have a child, that yeah. all changes, and suddenly you've got, oh, okay, actually my family is, not, is no longer the ten people yes. that I'm very, very close to and I've grown up with. It's My family's now the three of us. Yes. That's my family. I think that can be quite an issue for grandparents. Well, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. they suddenly feel a bit shut out. Well, I, I found, you know, my parents, my mum passed away up five years ago, my dad passed away up over ten years ago. My, we recently lost my only grandparent, who was 102, who died. And that just leaves me and my brother. And then I was, well, no, no, it doesn't leave me a brother because he's got his partner and his two daughters. Mm. I've got my wife and our two kids. And we went to a farm on Sunday morning. We took a selfie at the farm, the four of us. And I got a picture of the four of us. Yeah. Now, that is a family of four. You know, I've got a, a family. It's like, I think when you move out of home as a, as a teenager or, or, or in your 20s, and you, in the first place you maybe you buy a property, you start to view that as home rather than going yes, home. Yes to your parents' yeah. house. Yeah. And like, where is home? I'm going home yeah. for Christmas. Well, you know, yeah. where is that? I'm going to my mum's for Christmas. Yeah, and I think when, the difference yeah. is like, home when you're a child and when you've got your own parents, home is something you don't have to work at. Mm. It's just there. It's just mm. your nest. You fall back on. And you don't have to even think about it. It's just mm. home. Whereas when you're an adult with your own kids, you're you're actively making that home, mm. aren't you? You're sort of, that's yeah. the environment yeah. you're making. It's yeah, like yeah, a exactly. more active kind of home. Yeah, that's very yeah true. You're, you're making the decision on the plates you're eating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's you're, the thing, isn't it? If you yeah. don't like them, let's get rid of them. <laughs> There's no. I was um I was just to change the subject slightly. I was very curious to ask about homeschooling because until you mentioned it, there we that's not something we we'd spoken about. Um, I, I don't have any experience of people homeschooling their kids so I, I'm not quite sure about the process yeah. so were, your, were your kids in school initially well, and thought, you've decided to homeschool them yeah I mean I thought it was a t- thing that strange people did <laughs> <laughs> and I still do <laughs> <laughs> seeing some of their friends <laughs> uh, I'll take that <laughs> but um, it's got a reputation <laughs> yeah. right, it has it's seen as really alternative hippy dippy I mean we're in a sort of alternative hippy dippy town Brighton um, so it's, it's kind of you've got a green MP you've got a green MP I mean it's lovely Brighton but it, it sort of attracts the fringes of everything so homeschool is is quite a mainstream thing there for all kinds of different reasons um why did we do it well one we we could um you know we were in a position where we could um when so you say that is that is that financial uh, financial and the fact that we're at home you, you know, home, don't yeah. have to go out anywhere i mean no, i mean we know people who do it who you know aren't very well at all you know like, people do it every pretty much all income brackets but yeah we felt like we we could um, and we were in Brighton that's another reason my son had had a bad time at school adapting to school it's, it, it, you know I mean it, it's quite normal stuff but it started wet in the bed it was a bit sort of nervous about everything we saw him change my daughter was a little bit more adaptable but they were they were kind of struggling and then you know we had various issues I'm from a family of teachers. My mum's a head teacher of a, well, up until two years ago, she was a head teacher of a primary school. She was a head teacher for 40 years. My sister was a teacher. Um, so I've seen how, how that side of things has changed. My mum wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who works in the school system for several decades. 
understandably. Yeah. But you know, it's quite useful having her because she can sort of keep us in line with the curriculum and stuff. So is it you? You are physically teaching your kids then personally. Sometimes, but more often not, it's groups. So, like, okay. we're lucky that we live in a place. There's not that many places in the country. Like, we'd started toying around with it in York, where there's only about 10 people doing it. Now we're in a town where hundreds of people do it. So, there's always, you know, today they were out at a science group, um, they've got an art group, maths group. A various things, so it's like school, but it's a pick and choose kind of school. I mean, homeschooling is becoming more and more of an option for all kinds of different reasons, and it feels quite. I mean, it's one of those things that from the outside it's weird because it's not the normal thing, but when you're inside it, it feels mm. like your natural normal thing. So they're still in, essentially in classes of kids. Yeah, not of the like time. They, they are yes. socialising with yes, other kids. Yes, but, you know, it'll be shorter than the school day, mm. so we'll about have a, a group for an hour or two hours, and that'll be the thing they do that day, maybe a little bit with their mum or me afterwards sorting out. I mean, um, originally the plan was that I always did Fridays, so I would actually just teach them at home on Fridays, but, you know, with work commitments and stuff, sometimes I'm not there on Friday. But, you know, so I used to do history. Uh, yeah, great fire in London. Mm. And it's nice having to actually research yeah. stuff. Yeah. You research, yeah, especially yeah. the primary school stuff, because yeah. it's all fun. Yeah. You know, fun yeah. stuff. And, um, yeah, so you have a bit more control of it, but then you have more pressure. You know, you've got no school to blame. Mm. You're extremely... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you... Do they still? I guess if they're doing group stuff, they still get the socialisation because I guess that'd be my concern. Yeah, that was always how I envisaged it. I'd produce like some kind of really dysfunctional. But yeah, if they're around other kids and learning how to interact with other kids, I suppose that's yeah. We've we've you have to work very hard at that, Um, and it it, it's quite easy in Brighton, but um, in other places maybe less so. But yeah, they've got the same group that they see. I mean, it changes changes as it would probably do in a school as well but it's roughly the same amount of kids so yeah they've got close friends and best friends and people they see at least about three times a week four times a week so they have that it's really interesting it's not something that i would have ever even considered and then actually the way you describe it we haven't considered it and if lucas hadn't been having a bad time and if um I think Andrea and my wife knew someone who was doing it and um, also uh, it happened when we made the decision I was going away a lot and obviously you can't just take kids out of school Mm. all the time so if you sort of travel around it's quite good because you can then have your holiday in February or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 Cost saving to that. Yeah, 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 I'm exactly. sure. <laughs> yeah, not yet. We're, we're but, way off that. Yeah, but it's quite. You know, it's a lot of pressure, and you never know if you've done the right thing. Um, it'll be very hard to take them back into school now because you yeah, know, it's kind of like the genie's out of the bottle, and um, we've we've kind of used school as a motivating thing. Like, so schools become this kind of demonic thing. But um, yeah, so, we'll is see. the idea that they would then you, you sort of follow follow the national curriculum in the way in the way you yeah. teach them, and they, eventually they'll do GCSEs? Oh, I mean, and, it's reasonably it's reasonably conventional in, in like what we've what they've been taught, and um, you know they won't do as many SATs testing mm. and all of those no extra testing. There, yeah, and that, you know, that's like sometimes they feel like they're a test for the school. Yes, yes, absolutely. The so we don't have to worry about league tables and all of that. 
we can, you know, they'll do GCSEs, obviously. Mm. Uh, we, we haven't really, it's one of those things you don't think too far ahead. We've no mm. idea if we'll still be doing it in teenage years, but at the moment it's working, so we'll stick with it. Oh, well, really, really interesting. Maybe we'll come back and touch base in a few <laughs> years to see it when we're when we're going through the yeah. the, the horizon. When, when my kids are in rehab, and <laughs> yeah, <can't> do it. <laughs> is it something? Is it something? Because I keep coming back to this idea of the modern world and the and the pressures and the stresses. Because obviously that that yeah. is the theme of the book, which is really really interesting. Um, is do you think there's something in schooling that is potentially different now to how it would have been when the three of us, for instance, were at school? Yeah, definitely. I think I think like a lot of professions, it's become much more bureaucratic. I mean, just from my mum's own experience, my mum taught in quite a deprived part of Nottinghamshire, and um, she loved her job. But what she started to hate about it as a head teacher is that she wasn't doing any teaching, and she was hardly aware there were kids there at all and teachers have so much sort of form filling and box ticking and all of that stuff and there's a pressure now that there didn't used to be it's a sort of marketplace of schools mm. where you're constantly competing um which has its good sides obviously competition's good but um from a teacher's perspective it's it's kind of stressful and yeah I mean, we're you know there's some amazing schools and out there and brilliant teachers and stuff but just without personal circumstances at that moment in time mm. with the schools we were sort of able to go to we thought we thought we knew best <laughs> every, every parent does yeah. every parent does I, the, one of the because I realize we're, we're coming towards the end of time here but one of the questions I wanted to ask again and we kind of covered this before but there are so many things about parenting that for me I find incredibly stressful and that kind of lend themselves towards the creation of stress and anxiety in terms of the lack of sleep in terms of the worry about are you doing the right thing all these advice Mm. advice Uh, books the advice books yeah the the constant uh the what do they call the milestones which i've decided to completely ignore ignore from this point forward oh and and also yeah people are very defensive about their parenting style aren't yeah yeah so it can be such a touchy subject and and like you know people was and you, you, so it's very easy to feel judged if you do something a different way. Yeah. You know, famously, the crying out or not crying out thing. Yes. What you do. You very stuck with that Yeah. Very stuck on so that at the moment. There's this kind of parental civil war about what's, <laughs> yeah. 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 He's crying, he needs a cuddle, but he needs to learn. <laughs> yeah. uh, that type of thing, yeah. Um, but I'm just curious if you, again, if you, because I suppose you, 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 we talked about this before, as I say, but the idea of how you avoid going too far down that parental anxiety rabbit hole you know, mm. because it is so easy to, to spiral. And I, I find it really difficult myself sometimes. Yeah, well, I think it's the same as anxiety in general, life anxiety. It's about, um, it's, uh, and I, I don't really like this word, but it is about mindfulness. It's just being about aware of things and aware that sometimes when you're feeling stressed, it, it might not be to do with the external reality of what's mm. going on it might be because you haven't been sleeping very well it might be that you've had lots of interruptions at three in the morning yeah. and um, you've ended up asleep on your daughter's carpet or yeah. something you know. it's like when you have a dirt, you know, if you have a crossword with your other half we yeah. did this thing with, a, with number one with Jackson where I just said like, before we have this argument <laughs> let's just remember that neither of us have had a four yeah. night's sleep yeah. Because that's the yeah. thing you forget, isn't it? You forget that you've yeah. basically been up since 
you know, half four in the morning, you've done a full day's work, you've been juggling, and then if you, one of you makes a slight, what, what do you say? <laughs> and it becomes harder to look after yourself, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When you're a parent, it's harder to watch what you're eating. Mm-hmm. It's harder to watch the sleep. It's harder to get any exercise. You know, it, 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 it's very, so you do feel differently about that. And sometimes I think that when you, especially when you're a new parent, you think everything you're feeling is about just the fact that you become mm-hmm. a new parent, but there could be other, yeah, physical yeah, yeah. things and like you know sleep deprivation yeah. and there's that. more of an understanding i think today of uh, depression in new dads yeah. you know it's more of an acceptance that it's a recognized uh mental health issue rather than you yeah know, the actual postnatal yeah. depression yeah, obviously exactly. depression is, is, exists but specifically postnatal depression i think mm. there's probably still some you know cynicism yeah. around that but that is a very real condition yeah, and I think I think I think whether you are a dad or a mum experiencing that depression in a child, I think the guilt of it is the same because you're you you feel like you judge yourself so harshly mm. for yeah. feeling bad. Yeah, because mm. it's very easy before a child's born to think you're going to be this perfect parent and this sort of thing, and then you're dealing with the day-to-day messy reality of being a parent and um, how you feel inside is not how other people want you. Yeah. Or expect you yes. to yeah. feel so you fall down that gap between what you're meant to be feeling and what you are actually feeling and that's a big factor in all kinds of depression and anxiety mm. and it's exacerbated having kids so it's just about not beating yourself up mm. you know and I, I, I go back to the sorry to interrupt but I go back to that point of did our fathers and our grandfathers have these types of internal dialogues or did, yeah. did they just not discuss it at all amongst themselves? Oh, or were, you know, were these questions that they asked themselves? I don't know. They, it just wasn't accepted that you spoke about it. I'm sure that people did. I mean, you, mm. you know, I'm sure there's, as you write in the book, there's more mental health issues today. But you have to look at, you know, the Second World War and shell shock and things mm. like that. And mm. the First World War, and you talk about the first, spoken about the war poets, and, you know, the mental health issues have been around in men. Yeah, for 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 a long time, I think the the parental thing is just we're understanding it a lot better today, and I think it's good yes. that we talk about it, and that's why we do the podcast. Partly is to offer some solidarity. So if someone's listening to this, you know, and they are going through some stress, you know, there's three of us sat in the room, yeah. and they're all admitted. Yeah. yeah, you know, we're all admitting that we don't find it easy 100 yeah. percent of the time, and that's absolutely fine. Yes. And in fact, that's the normality. That's, you know, yeah. not this kind of uh, serial box, you know, adverti- advertisement type dad in the playground who goes, you mm. know, to work, you know, provider. That's not the reality. That's just no. a marketing construct. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think there is a particular pres- um, pressure on our generation of dads and parents generally to to be, or we feel it because because of Instagram or because of advertising or whatever, to be this sort of perfect. You're having those moments in the park, swinging them around, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. being that kind of father. And you, 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 it's just about understanding that's not anyone's reality. No, really. mm. you, you have moments of, of it, course. and you cherish those moments, and you remember those moments. But that's not anyone's twenty-four. But you also, it. as I find, you know, with a two-month-old baby, find yourself holding a screaming baby, going, "Just shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's understandable. That's human, and like you yeah. know. Uh, it's like my mum now has been totally honest about how she had like major depression when I was, um, you know, first five years with me, and you know, and she, you know, she talks about all those things, and I, I, I feel sorry, sorry, sorry for her, but it's, it's like 
I don't judge her for having felt a certain way. And she loves me madly, and I know she loves me, and she always loved me, even when she was depressed. But it's just about accepting our sort of human, flawed, messy, imperfect selves, isn't it? That seems like a, that seems like a, very, a nice. very nice way to do it. Matt, near point on which to, to thank end. Thank you very much for your time. Book. Yeah, thank and you. For, it's a great book. It is a great notes book. on a nervous, nervous planet. planet. Oh. Is out. Well remembered. <laughs> yeah, <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When's um, it out, Matt? It's out now. Isn't it's it? out. Yeah, July. Yeah. July. It's um. It's well worth a read. Very helpful if you're struggling with anything at all. Um, really, really is helpful. I, personally, I am thrilled to have done this because, as I say, I am a bit of a super fan. So, oh, um, well, thank you very much. Now, now you're disillusioned and you've met me. No, no, um, it's been, been really nice to meet you. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to do it. Um, thanks to everybody for listening, and um, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Thank you.